What's your story? We are a people who like stories. We like fishing stories. We like hunting stories. We like relationship stories, because you can tell that's about all on TV now. Reality TV is all about relationships. Kind of scary. But we love it. We like stories. We like stories about restaurants. <laughs> we like stories about sports. We like stories. What's your story? We got all kinds of stories we like to tell. But what's your spiritual story? Because people do like to hear those. Here's what I want to talk to you about today. Every believer has a story someone needs to hear. You need to understand that. Every believer, every person in this room who's trusted Christ, whether you were young or a teenager or adult, whether you were mean as the devil or as nice as Mother Teresa, you have a story someone wants to hear. And we need to be about the business of telling our story. To our family, to our friends, to our workers, to sometimes we have those divine inter intersections. We get to tell our story. You know what I am fully convinced of? You do not have to be a theologian to tell your story. You just need to have a story. Because it's yours. An audience had gathered. Key military leaders, government officials, a governor and a king came together to ask one man his story. He had been uh, in, in prison for two years since his first meeting with the governor. He was held over that he could just share his story. And I want to share that with you today. The guy's name's Paul. And what a story he told. First, I think he gives us a great model for how we tell our story, of what we can incorporate in our story, that people will hear it, understand it, and some will respond to it. First of all, we're going to take a look at life in the dark, what I used to be, what I was, my past. Acts chapter 26 verse 9 says this. As the Apostle Paul begins to speak, he's now been accused by the Jews of blasphemy and insurrection. And, and, and Paul's been falsely accused that he stood and gave his testimony, but now he gets to stand before King Agrippa. It's a pretty major story. And here's how he's, he talks about what he was. I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of the Jesus of Nazarene, or of Nazareth. Uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. I, was, I felt I was doing God favor 
by attacking this Jesus and his followers. I was angry at him. I was an unbeliever about him. <clears throat> I thought I used to think that was the right way to go. Sounds like anybody you know today? They just don't like Jesus. And they don't like you because you follow Jesus. It's not uncommon. Let's go to the next verse. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. I authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers to be sent to prison. Man, that's, that's pretty tough. Just the average guy goes to prison because he's chosen to be a follower of Christ. He's in the way. He's believed there was a resurrection. And, and so I put it, and I cast my vote against them who were, con, and they were condemned to death. Pretty serious. One of those was a deacon named Stephen. He said, I made sure I, I voted for that. Loudly. Proudly. Does that sound familiar today? That's kind of happened all around the world. And so, go to the next verse. Many times, <laughs> many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. He said, I turned the heat up, man. I applied the pressure. I, I threatened them. I intimidated them. I got in their face. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. Thought I was doing God a favor. But I sure hated that Jesus. And I hated the people that followed him. That was my life in the dark. Paul would say he was a Pharisee, very religious. He was a scholar. He was very educated, both in Jewish life and Greek life. He was a persecutor of the church with his salvation left up to him. Guys, we all start off in the dark. We just display it different ways. There are some that are very defiant. They will tell you, no, I don't want to hear. And no, I don't care about that. And no, it doesn't matter. And they're tough. And everybody knows they're tough. And, and, and if their name shows up on a visitation list, that's the last one anybody wants to visit. Because they're tough. Some are deceived. Man, they, they think they're on the right path. They think they're doing the right thing. Paul was deceived. He wasn't necessarily defiant about God. He was defiant about the way God wanted him to respond to him. He thought he was right. A lot of people go that way. I, I had a conversation with, them, with a person the other day, and, and, and as we began to talk about things, and uh, I worked on building a relationship with him, and, and he began to tell me his, his I said, you know, tell me about your life, because uh, just to talk about his parents a little bit, and, and he'd be and say, well, you know, my parents were in church, I was raised in church, and, and uh, you know, I, I went to church all the time, me and my, me and my brother, and just kind of how we did life, and, okay, 
And said, then, you know, one Sunday, my brother went forward, and, they, and my dad kept saying, tell us it's our time to go forward, we need to go forward, and my brother went forward, and then he looked at me and said, it's your time, and I went forward, baptized. I said, well, is that your story? Yeah, pretty much. Anything happen? No. No. Uh, you know, I know nothing really happened. You do know something needs to happen. I won't talk about that. Okay. But people will go through life and they think maybe because I've, I've had a, I've walked an aisle or I've been baptized or I've even said a prayer that everything's okay. That's not the criteria for being okay with God. It's being born again, having a spiritual birth that takes place in a moment in time when you realize the truth about you and the truth about him. And so uh, this is what's happened. Some are procrastinators. They keep putting it off. I'll do it some other time. I'll do it when I'm better. I'll do it when I behave better. I'll do it when I'm older. I'll do it when, when, when really I feel right about it. And you put it off. And you put it off. And you put it off. It's all life in the dark. That's how we live life in the dark. Defiant, deceived, procrastinating. That's how we live it. Everybody has a different way of doing that. No two people are alike. That's why your story would be so unique. Everybody has a story that starts in the dark. What you used to be. You need to remember where you came from. Because there's someone who can relate to that. I think one of the greatest mistakes we make in our church is we think if you don't have a dynamic testimony, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Oh, that's so wrong. We think you've got to be an axe murderer. Go to jail. Get saved. Come out. Become a preacher. Ah, that, that's a testimony. That's a testimony, but that's not the only testimony. Not everybody's going to have a Damascus Road experience. But everybody can have a genuine experience of grace that becomes the story you'll tell. Maybe to your spouse or to your children or to your grandchildren. And it's what will turn them to Christ. It's what will open their heart in such a way to receive what you've said. It's not that you've got to be dynamic or sensational. You just let the power of the Holy Spirit use your story. Everyone has a story to tell. Everybody starts in the dark, and that's where you start with your story. Here's what I used to be. Now, let's go on to the second thing. The defining moment when the light breaks through and grace and love becomes personal or become personal. It's what I did. What I was, what I used to be when I was in the dark. But then there's something that was a moment in time a defining moment, a, a, an indescribable moment, if you will, but a very personal moment when the light broke through the darkness, when I began to receive truth about me and about Jesus, and grace and love broke through my darkness. 
it became very personal. Have you had that defining moment? When finally the light breaks through? Finally? And just realize it's not about what you're doing that pleases God. It's what Jesus is on the cross for you that pleases God. Verse 12 of Acts 2 says this. One day, here's Paul's defining moment. One day I was on such a mission. Man, I'm trying to put people in jail. I'm trying to squash the Christian movement. I, I, I'm on, I got papers in my hand. I am somebody with power and authority. And I'm on fire. I am, I am excited about what I'm doing. I'm passionate about what I'm doing. Must be right. Well, that's not true. But anyway, so he goes, all right, so I'm on the way, and I'm on this road, uh, a road, I'm on the way to Damascus to take care of some more Christians and put them in jail or do whatever I got to do with them. Armed with the authority and the commission of the leading priest. Wow. One day. Next verse. About noon. Your majesty, King Agrippa, as I was on the road. Because King Agrippa said, tell me your story, man. Tell me what's going on. He said, let me tell you. King Agrippa, let me tell you. As I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. I was blinded by the light. Or as a country singer said a long time ago, I saw the light. Next verse, we all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. It is my desire that you come to me, and I'm going to turn the heat up. I'm going to put the pressure on. I'm going to squeeze you. I'm going to move you closer to me through. I've been doing it. I've been, you've been hearing other people's stories. You've been seeing other people die rather than curse me. You've put people's back to the wall, and you've uh, made them choose between me or death. I mean, life for me, which includes death. And he said, they've chosen death, but you still haven't bent. You haven't haven't made a decision. So I'm turning up the heat. I'm going to blind you for a few days. Let you think about it. And it's going to be fine that you're, you're really <laughs> are going to be brought to your knees. Next verse. Who are you, Lord, I ask? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. He always identifies with his people. You say, well, Jesus was already in heaven. What was the deal? Every Christian Saul persecuted, he was persecuting Jesus. Man, I, I feel what they're going through. Man, you're doing it to me. I get this. Your hatred for me is being taken out on them. But here you go. I'm here. You, I, I'm here to talk to you about this. Next verse. Now get to your feet. For I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and my witness. You are to tell the world what you have seen and what I will show you in the future. Wow. Next verse. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles. Next verse. To open their eyes. 
because they're in the darkness. Look. So then they turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God because that's the only two options there are. You're either in darkness or light. You're either under the power of Satan or the power of God. That's where all of us are, one of those two places. And then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Wow. He just said a mouthful. King Agrippa's going, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Let me tell you, I was on the road to Damascus, and I had a defining moment when I met the living Lord. And I've come to realize he was not dead. He wasn't stolen from the tomb. They didn't hide his body. He is alive. And now, Agrippa, I preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which was foretold by the prophets of old, incidentally. I'm really in line with Jewish thinking. I've been falsely accused of heresy. I teach what the prophets foretold, that Messiah would come. He would suffer, die on a cross, and arise from the grave the third day. And I now am a follower of Christ, sharing my story, who will ever hear that they may leave the darkness and come to the light. That's the defining moment that radically changes your life. Wow. It's what you do when the light breaks through. There's a time, I don't care who you are, when the emptiness becomes real in your life. When the guilt is unbearable, when hope is non-existent, and you're simply exhausted trying to work your way to heaven. All those variables. And then the truth breaks through and said, I just need you to trust in Christ alone. We just sang that. In Christ alone. What is a person to do? You trust in Jesus, his death and his resurrection. Had a, a, a person some time ago wanted to talk to me, and we were conversing, and uh, they, they were struggling with assurance of salvation. They said, I'm not sure, I'm struggling. I hear you, I hear you preach, and I don't know, man, I'm struggling with it. I go, okay, well, tell me your story. And here's what they said. <clears throat> well, you know, I grew up in church. You know, I'm teaching a Sunday school class. You know, you know, I, I, and well, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I've been a Baptist all my life. Well, that's really going to help. I said, tell me your story. And they begin to cry. And they said, I, I don't remember the story. Mm. I said, look, here's what I know. I don't forget the significant things in my life. The important things I remember. Because they touched my life so personally that they're a part of my life. And you're asking me to 
assure you that you have a relationship with Christ, but you don't have a story of when you trusted Christ. And if you're sitting here and you tell me you don't remember and you're trying real hard to remember, you're working on it, I can see the wheels turning. You're trying, but the truth is there's not a story. And if there is no story, then nothing happened. Man, they, they just cried, and that's true. Before the day was over, they had a story. Your story is so amazing. First of all, it's where you get your assurance from, but it's also where you get your opportunity to witness. You share your story. That's how it works. You realize the apostle Paul had to lose his religion to find his salvation in Jesus. You realize that? Boy, it needs to happen today for a lot of people. What's your story? Or do you have one? Last thing, life with Jesus. This is my story. Verse 22. But God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone. And he did. Do you realize that Paul was in, he was in prison for two years waiting for this time. And he talked, to, he talked to the guards. He talked to everybody. He said, man, I, I want you to know I got a story to tell. And let me tell you my story. Everybody knew his story. As a matter of fact, the crowd that came to hear his hearing before Agrippa, everybody had been talking about it. This wasn't a quiet thing. They all said, I want to know what this guy's going to say. We've heard a lot about his stories. The military guys were there. The, the government officials there said, man, we want to hear this guy. He's been the talk of the prison for two years. Uh, we want to know what he's going to say. Before Agrippa, he said, I, I, I come to everyone from the least to the greatest, from the best to the worst. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen. Next verse, that the Messiah would suffer crucifixion, death on the cross, and be the first to rise from the dead, the resurrection with a new body. In this way, announced God's light to the Jews and Gentiles alike. He said, Agrippa, I was, a, I was a guy that was very religious, very zealous, very passionate in my religion. On the road to Damascus, the one I'd rejected, the one I even hated, broke through with his grace and love, and I became a follower of the one I'd hated. And now I'd just like to tell everybody my story. Even you, Agrippa. For you know what the prophets have said. He was a Jew. Do you understand what I'm saying is true? And Agrippa said, you would persuade me to become a Christian? Not only you, but all in this room would be like me except there's chains. Agrippa, I wish you had had a story that you could tell. I wish you had a story. May I tell you the purpose of the story? It two things. It becomes the source of your assurance in life. It gives you a song to sing.
Kevin, I want you to come sing something for me, man. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste. You are divine. Blessed assurance. It comes with a story. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit washed in his blood this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my Savior all the day long perfect submission perfect delight Visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. My Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. 
This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Praising my Savior all the day long. What's your story? Do you have a story? If not, you can have one today.